Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on. Yep, one of our favorite subjects murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects baking and killers? Good afternoon, Karen Devaney. And Warner. How you doing? Super great. How about you? Mm. Okay, take a sip of tea right in the I middle of it. I took a sip of tea as you were asking me that question, <laughs> but I think it's because I'm, I'm sipping tea out of our um, Just a Couple of Broads Talking About Murder coffee mug. I was very excited to have it. Yeah, it's really cute. It's really cute. I love it. It's so. my fave. It's my fave, too. Yeah, because yeah. it's really what we are, a couple it, of broads. That's what we are. Talking about murder. We're just a couple of broads that's in it. the kitchen. Yeah. Well, I'm not. You're in the kitchen. Well, you're like halfway in. Halfway. Yes. Yes. So, So, let's see real quick what you're making in the kitchen today. Well, it just so happens to be my very favorite nephew's birthday. Oh, I know him. Yeah, I think you do. Because I gave birth to him. Yes, so you were there too. Yes, 22. Oh. Short years ago. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Insane. So, I am making the vanilla cupcakes because your boy, he loves a vanilla vanilla. He does. And so, his aunt Top Top is making him some vanilla cupcakes. Yay! So that's what I'm using. And of course, I love Sally. Sally loves me with BFFs, and I'm using one of her recipes for a very vanilla cake, and they will be very vanilla cupcakes. Yay, that's exciting. Yes. I so too enjoy a vanilla. I do too. I love vanilla. a vanilla vanilla. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'll be doing. All right. And Fantastic. I'm what gonna... will you be doing? Well, I'm just going to sit here and relax while you do that. Not relaxing. All right. Well, then I'll talk about murder. Let me tell you about the story I heard. Okay. You ready? Yes. It takes a murder story. It is. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's so amazing that you heard this story and we do a podcast on murder. Yeah. So I just thought maybe I'd talk about it. I mean, why not? What else do we have to do? I really don't have anything. I mean, I do have a large group of people coming to my home tonight. But, um, you know, that's... Hours That's away. Not here nor there. It's only like two and a half hours away, but I'm good. We're good. We're fine. So you might as well just talk about murder. So I'll do give it. Me murder and give it to me now. All right. December 2004. Um, Bobby Jo Stinnett and her husband run a breeding business from their home in Skidmore, Missouri. Did you say breeding? Breeding. Breeding. Yes. Like dogs. Dog breeding. Yes. Okay. A dog breeding business. Wow, that's a mouthful. Yeah. And they're in Missouri? And they're in Missouri. Okay. And they connect with their buyers via a chat room called Ratter Chatter. Excuse me? Ratter Chatter. I've never heard of such a thing. Because you've never been in one. Because they breed crap terriers. Oh my gosh. I know. Well, Isn't that the, the cutest? 
near and dear to your heart. I know. Because I and Noah, Rat Terrier mix. Yeah. Mostly he's just mixed up. Yeah, but, but we're not going to see his name. No, my God, I'm not saying his name. No. Today we're going to call him Perch. Perch? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yes. All right, so they connect with their people through Ratter Chatter, which is a chat group for people interested in the Rat Terrier breed of dog. That's so fun. Um, Bobby Joe has a litter of puppies ready to go. And she's connected with a potential buyer in the chat group, and her name is Darlene Fisher. Interestingly enough, um, Darlene not only loves the Rat Terrier breed, but she is pregnant. With a Rat Terrier? No. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> she's, a, she's pregnant with a, with a litter of Rat Terriers. Yes. And Bobby Joe is pregnant. With so, a litter of Rat Terriers. Okay. Oh my gosh, there's something going on right so bobby joe mentions in conversation that when it's time for her to pick up the puppies or puppy she would okay. need to come to bobby joe because she's eight months pregnant and she can't drop anymore she's no more traveling no more and this darlene um fisher is from out of town so okay of course darlene says that is not a problem i'm happy to do it they exchange email addresses they swap stories back and forth about their pregnancies and become fast friends. Fast friends. So, um, Darlene schedules a time on December the 16th to go pick up and pay for her new puppy. So okay. exciting. Good that times. Very exciting. A couple of hours after Darlene was set to arrive, Bobby Joe's mother stopped by for a visit. She walks in, and she is absolutely horrified okay. to find Bobby Joe covered in blood and mutilated. Oh, my god! The beautiful baby bump Bobby Joe was toting was now an open wound. No way. Bobby Joe's mother called 911 and told responders that it looked like her daughter's stomach had exploded. Oh, my God. Yes. Somebody has killed her daughter and, and taken the baby. The baby. So the police arrive on the scene and they start their investigation. Um, Bobby Joe's husband, his name is Zeb, Z-E-B, Zeb. Zeb. He's notified that his wife is dead and that his oh baby is, um, is missing. Oh, police terrifying. Police um, want to put out an Amber Alert for the baby, but at the time, an Amber Alert had never been put out for anyone where there wasn't a description. And because the baby hadn't been born yet, there was no description. No. Oh. Um, but authorities really, really pushed and were eventually able to get that Amber Alert put out around um, for the missing newborn baby. Okay. Sorry, I had to take a little break there. I got choked on a hot tea. Crazy. Some strong stuff in there. I mean to tell you. So, they police put together, start to put together a timeline um, for what Bobby Joe was supposed to be doing that day. Yeah. And they quickly hone in on this Darlene Fisher. Something is fishy. They're able to go about on to Exactly. They're able to go on to Bobby Joe's computer and they see they see the emails back and forth and they're able to track um Darlene to Kansas. She lives in Bedford, Kansas. Okay. So the following day, 
they get her address and they go to Kansas to question her. And it's really interesting to read the accounts from the detectives that were actually at the scene. Mm -hmm. They go into her house. Um, obviously, she didn't get up and answer the door. Well, already, you're setting a bad time. And when they're when they walk into the house, they see Darlene holding a newborn baby, sitting on the sofa watching TV. And flashing across the TV screen is an Amber Alert for a missing newborn baby. And at first, of course, she said, oh, my gosh, it's just such a terrible story. But this is my baby. I just had a baby. But it was obvious that she hadn't and that the baby hadn't been to the doctor. Mm -hmm. So they, um, Darlene also has blood underneath her fingernails. Ew, so they're all sitting there trying to figure out how are we going to get that baby safely away? Yeah. From her. Darlene. But thankfully, she allows them to take the baby. So they take the baby and they get DNA testing to verify it is, in fact, Bobby Joe's baby. Um, and, and it was. Oh. And a day later, they reunite that baby, which was a baby girl, Aww, baby girl. with her dad, Zeb. And they arrest Darlene. Um, they, the police actually, and this is one of the first cases in 2004 where police were able to use forensic computer investigation to track down Darlene and figure out that Darlene wasn't Darlene. She was in fact, Lisa Montgomery. Oh. On December 17th, <clears throat> they take, which is the day after Bobby Joe's murder. Uh-huh. They take Darlene to jail, and they start to question her. Um, and they figure out that for months before Lisa made arrangements to go to Bobby Joe's, she had told anyone that would listen to her that she was pregnant, even though she was not pregnant. As a matter of fact, she had had a medical procedure done, oh which didn't allow her to become pregnant. A nut job. And according to surveillance video that they obtained, Lisa actually did a dry run from her house to Bobby Joe's house the day before. She didn't have a car seat or anything. She got in her car and drove with that brand new baby in her arms from Missouri to Kansas. Crazy. I know. It's crazy. She's a nut job. I know. She brought a hospital-grade clamp for the umbilical cord. Oh, my gosh. A knife and a rope. The way it happened was Bobby Joe turned to lead her into where the puppies were. Yeah. And Lisa pulled out a rope and strangled her from behind. And once she was maybe, maybe not dead, but passed out probably, she cut that baby out of Bobby Joe's womb. What in the world? And took it out. So um, I never saw any actual... Autopsy report Good. that says how Bobby Joe died, but um, well, it uh, probably would be very difficult to tell. But well, they would, yeah, because there would be so much blood already so in much. that area that it would come out anyway. So a lot, you know, when you stop breathing, when you are dead, you stop bleeding. Right. But at that point, that crime scene, I mean, even if she had just died, it would have been full of blood. Exactly. So it would be very difficult to yeah. tell which came first, the, the strangulation or the bleeding out. Exactly. 
The one thing they knew for sure is that it was very meticulously planned, which was going to make it really hard for any defense attorney to come in and say that Lisa was um, mentally unstable. Yeah. Because you, you have a sense, you know, when you're able to plan that meticulously uh, down, right, yeah. down to getting a medical grade clamp for the umbilical cord. You know what you're doing is going to be shoddy. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't even know. I don't, know. I don't want to know. So, um, they try to make it. They try to say she's not competent to stand trial, but that the judge doesn't buy it. No. On not October twenty second, a little bit. Not even a little bit. <laughs> no, not even. They actually at one point were going to try and say that she wasn't mentally competent enough to commit the crime, and they were going to try and blame it on her brother. That's but her brother had a solid alibi, and it was like a week before trial when her attorney switched his defense and changed it from her brother did it to she's not, you know, she was out of so her mind. So all along they were planning on saying the brother did it yes. until they proved his alibi. Yes. What? Yes. And when they started, when it was really, I mean, yeah, it was clear that her family did not care for her in the yeah. least. Because they wouldn't even cooperate with the defense. Good. As far as, you know, any background history or whatever. Or any kind of, like, person. Right. Called character. And there were reports that she had sustained some head injuries from brutal beatings she sustained from her parents as well as ex-spouses. Um, that maybe her frontal lobe was damaged. There were just a whole bunch of things that... They were trying to pass off as this is why she did this. Oh my gosh. But on October 22nd, 2007, jurors found Lisa Montgomery guilty of kidnapping resulting in death. Oh. And on October 26th, she was sentenced to death. Oh. And this was a federal case. Yeah. So April 4th, 2008, a judge upheld the death penalty. What? And Lisa, uh, Lisa's attorney filed an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court in 2012, and the request for that appeal was denied, denied in March of 2019. Lisa was incarcerated at the Federal Medical Center in Fort Worth, Texas. So she wasn't a medical facility. Why? Because I guess head injury? I don't so. know. I, I guess because she, she was deranged. Yeah, that's um, where you put... That's, you put people in prison because they're deranged. Exactly. Why does she get a medical facility? That's my question. I don't question. know. I don't, I don't know that it was that nice. But for a long time, she was the only woman in the United States with a federal death sentence. Wow. Like, she was hanging out by herself. Yeah. So she was scheduled to be executed by lethal injection on December 8th, 2020. Okay. At the U.S. Penitentiary. Penitentiary. <laughs> In Terry Halt, Indiana. Okay. But that date was delayed because her attorney came down with COVID. Oh, that's, you know what, I feel like they did that on purpose. Maybe. So they set a new date um, for January 12th, 2021, which was yesterday. Oh. But a U.S. District Court judge named Randolph Moss found that ruling on a new date was unlawful. What? Um... Because there had been a stay of the court because of COVID. 
And then a three panel judge came in and said, that's not right. We're going to keep her original date of January 12th. Um, and she did or not? That was a, a 63 vote. They were like, mm, no, you're like, she's you're done. done. On January 12th, 2021, federal judge Patrick Hamlin. Wait. That's. Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. January 12th, 2021, federal judge Patrick Hamlin granted Lisa no. a stay of execution. Why? On the ground that her mental competence should be Here tested prior to her execution. Here we freaking go with this. I know. You, he, we, you don't have, you can be completely sane when we arrest you and convict you, but we cannot put you to death if you've lost your marbles in, in that time. Right. That is such a cop-out. Isn't it, though? It is ridiculous. Like, what is the point? Yeah. Well, this judge said he wanted to make sure she understood the full scope of her pending execution. I mean, what's the full scope? You're going to die. Bye-bye. Because you did this horrible thing. Remember when you cut that baby out of that lady's belly and you took it for your own and you have the medical crate? Umbilical clamp. Well, that was wrong, and now you're gonna die. Bye bye. Throw the switch. Walk away. Do you march. understand? Do you yeah. understand? Well, well, I don't give a crap if you understand. You freaking did it, and when you did it, you understood. Well, good news. The Supreme Court feels the same way you felt. Yes, and I knew I should have been a Supreme Court judge. They had a little judge. vote, and they said, uh, "We're gonna vacate that stay of execution and go ahead and." Um, Get her taken care of. So when is she going to do it? Today, January 13th, 2021, at 1 o'clock in the morning. No way! Lisa Montgomery faced her execution. When asked if she had any last words, she said no. At 1.31 a.m., Lisa was pronounced dead. Well, she was the first. She was the first female federal prisoner executed in 67 years. You know what? You wrap them, we stack them. Victoria Jo Stinnett is now 16 Aww. and continues to thrive in a loving family with her father. Oh, it gives Zeb. me the chilies. Yep. Aww. They live in the same town, never moved. I'm sure. I'm yep. sure they have a lot of support there. Yep. Isn't oh, that crazy? That was a really crazy story, and then it ended on today. Today. The end, I know. The chapter of the And book. I'm sure there'll be a lot of podcasts about it because it's, you know, it's a really big deal to execute a female federal prisoner, especially the first yeah, one. Yeah, it here first, it's, people. It's 67 years, get but. get on the airways, quick. I know, my God, breaking news, breaking news. Yeah. So, it um, ended on a happy note that the baby lived and was fine because, and that has to be a miracle. Absolutely. Because think about. I mean, this woman wasn't a nurse. She wasn't. No. She didn't know how to do a C-section. She, she had no she idea. She the, the baby in for immediate care. No, and she didn't. She could have cut the baby. That baby didn't have an APCAR score. It, it did not have an APCAR score. <laughs> you are so right. No, there's no APCAR score on that baby. That's right. That's awful. I know. Wow. That well, poor man, though. You go off. You kiss your very pregnant wife goodbye. Y'all are happy. She's got some puppies she's trying to deal with before the baby comes. And then the next thing you know, somebody has killed your wife and cut the baby out of her stomach and taken it. Right. And your mother has walked in to find it. Yes. So I can't oh. even imagine. My gosh. Crazy. Well, Darlene, 
Well, she's dead as a doornail now. She's not. She's, <laughs> she's no longer with us. How dead is she? <laughs> well, she's dead as a doornail. I don't know how long it takes to get to the great beyond, but uh, I think she started quick. her journey I at one thirty-one. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a quick journey. Like wherever she's going, I don't. I hope she's not going to the same heaven I'm going to. I don't want to see her there. That's not fair. Right. I get it. Yeah, I don't know, but all I know is she gone. She. Oh, she gone. She gone with the wind. She gone with the wind. Mm -hmm. What's happening? What is happening in my kitchen? Well, I will tell you that I can't get this off because I can't. I don't have enough strength in this oh, arm. To, right, right. Yeah. So but I, these are ready to be put into the cups, and this is the fluffiest cake mix I've ever made. No way. Yes. We'll see. Well, you see. <laughs> <laughs> you see here. See what you do is. Um, you use cake flour, which is really good because it's very extra sifted flour. Yeah. And this calls for three eggs plus two extra egg whites. <gasps> Brilliant. So that fluffs it up. And oh. then you're putting some buttermilk in it for moisture. Oh, I my think this Lord. this is going to be a huge hit. Huge. I'm so excited. Huge. Huge. huge it's going to be huge. So. All right. Um, I'm going to come in. to switch out. Yeah. I'll come in and assist. Yeah. And you can talk about your murder. I not I, your murder, but the murder you researched for this week. Yes, I'm excited about mine. But yours was a really good one. It's very thank you in the moment. It's in the moment, up to date, like right up to the finish line. I mean, sugar. I did you, it. You hit I brought the it home. Line. I you got it. it. Right home. I got that. it. Mm. Yeah. All right, then let's take a pause. All right, be back. And we're, we're back. back. Ha. <laughs> we are back. You weren't using your NPR voice. And we're back. And we're back. Okay, so it's my turn. It's my murder turn. All right. Mm -hmm. One good murder deserves another. <laughs> <laughs> On this podcast? Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to talk about Paradise Valley, Arizona. That sounds lovely. Doesn't it sound lovely? It sounds like so paradise. Too. It's kind of outside of Phoenix, from what I understand. Oh. But I hain't been there, because I hain't never been to Arizona. Arizona? <laughs> Nor have I. No. Mm -mm. So we might have to fix that. I'd like to go see some things in Arizona. Really? I would. I'd like to go find an arrowhead in Arizona. Oh. I just feel like that's the appropriate place to find right. it. Right. Yeah. I yeah. All I can think about is how hot it is. I think it's, it's a flat. dry heat. It's, flat it's a different. It's a different. Well, it's kind of flat here too, sugar, and it's real hot here. But ours is a humid heat. There's a dry heat. So yeah. maybe we shan't go in July or August. Right, right. Maybe we should go like in February, March, yeah. April. Oh yeah, we'll go mm -hmm. for your birthday. Okay, let's plan that. All right. So I'm going to talk about a girl named Alyssa Turney. Okay. Okay. Her mom, Barbara, remarried when Alyssa was three, mm -hmm. and Barbara's new husband adopted Alyssa. Oh, that's nice. I know. Two years later, sister Sarah came along. Uh -huh. So there were five years between the sisters. Okay. When Sarah was four and Alyssa was nine, they lost their mom to cancer. Oh, man. She died of lung cancer. So they were mostly raised by their dad, Michael. Okay. Sarah, being younger, was not really in tune with the differences in the, her relationship and her and her sister's relationship with their dad. 
growing up. You know, you don't know what normal is. You assume everybody assumes that what's in front of you is a normal thing. Right. So you don't really think about it very much when you're especially when you're busy growing up. Right. And those adolescent years are hell on everybody. Exactly. So in 2001, Alyssa was 17 and a high school junior mm-hmm. and Sarah was 12. Okay. And on the last day of school, Alyssa vanished. Oh, no. Witnesses recall seeing her pop her head into her boyfriend's woodworking class around 11 to say her dad was taking her out of school early and she would see him later. Mm -hmm. They had plans that night with friends. Of course, it's the last day of school. Summer break starts. Next year, you're seniors. There's a lot to celebrate. Right. So lots to look forward to. But Alyssa was never seen again. Never? Never seen again. Dang it. So when... Sarah got home that afternoon after school. She saw that Alyssa's usually tidy room was torn to pieces. Uh Uh-oh. And her dad said that Alyssa had left a note in her room saying she was running away to California. To California? California. Well, at the time, Sarah thought that was plausible. Alyssa was obsessed with the movie Clueless. Oh. And everyone in their school talked about running off to L.A. to become the next Cher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, also, they had an aunt in California, so Sarah thought maybe Alyssa was going to go visit her. Right. But Alyssa had left behind her cell phone, her makeup, her jewelry, and her car. Huh. And that all seemed a little strange to Sarah. It would seem strange to me, too. So, Michael filed a missing persons report that night, letting police know she had um, run away and... um, telling police that he had picked Alyssa up at 11 and taken her to lunch. And while at lunch, they had an argument. And he dropped her off at the house around 1. And when he returned, she had left and he found the note. Oh. So he told police that she had an aunt in California and she had gone to visit the aunt. and that and But the aunt said she had never seen or heard from Alyssa. That really stinks. Yes. Um, yes. It, it really stinks. So, at the time, Sarah was 12. She wasn't worried and always thought her sister would come back, especially after her dad had told her that Alyssa had called one day from a payphone in California to say she was fine and then abruptly hung up. Oh, for heaven's sake. Yeah, so... I do not like where this is headed. I know. So, before Alyssa left, the girls had really become close. She said, yeah, when we were younger, you know, we picked on each other, we tattled on each other, but as I got a little bit older and she got older, we started becoming friends, and I felt like I was included in the cool clubs, cool kids club, you know, because my sister was older, and she said we had really been close, so for her to just leave and not say goodbye was just... A slap in the face. It was a little disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, she was a little disappointed. So... um, She asked a lot of questions, and she poked around and asked more and more questions, and the more she asked, the more she got a bad feeling. Oh, no. So over the years, she tried to talk to her dad to get more information from him, and if he talked to her, which wasn't often, what he usually said didn't add up to her. And she had found out through talking to some of Alyssa's friends that um, some disturbing information was kind of coming to the surface. Uh Uh-oh. So... Michael was a former sheriff deputy and an electrician, and it seems that he had set up surveillance all inside of his house. Oh. Yeah. He also installed a passive recording device on the house phone so that he could listen to all incoming and outgoing phone calls. And he said he used it to keep Alyssa safe. 
but he never used that to watch over Sarah. Oh. Right. So he had placed several CCTV monitors all and cameras all around where he could keep an eye on Alyssa at all times. He even surveilled her at her part-time job in at the Jack in the Box. They have really good burgers there. Do they? Yeah. Well, we ate there when we were in Denver. We went through the drop, Jack in the Box drive-through. No, that wasn't in and out. It was Jack in the Box. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, they have good burgers. So Sarah recalls that after her mother died, Alyssa was given all of the household duties in the house. And she kept up with them as well as kept up with good grades, worked part-time, and still had time for her steady boyfriend. So um, she was doing all of these things, but she didn't seem unhappy about it. So something wasn't sitting well for Sarah. Yet for years, she still defended her dad when others found him suspiciously involved in or thought that he was suspiciously involved in Alyssa's disappearance. Right. Sarah actually had older half-brothers whose dad is Michael, but they all lived outside the house by the time she came along. Mm -hmm. And um, when he was married to Barbara, they they all lived out of the house. They weren't really involved in them with them day to day, but they were very quick to be suspicious of their father. But Sarah could not fathom that her father would do anything sinister. Right. So eventually, Sarah went to the police and told them that she had a bad feeling about her dad and Alyssa and asked them to investigate. And at that point, she was just confused on how to feel. She really just wanted someone in authority to sort it all out for her so right. she could figure out what, what happened to my sister. Where is she? She tried to find her. Um, through social media, through anything that she could figure out, you know, and she just never heard a word from her. So weird. And she just kept thinking, I just really thought she was going to come back or she would have at least reached out to me right. to say, this is where I am. So um, she didn't feel like the police took it very seriously. And so, but an investigation was opened. But, um, Eventually, Sarah felt like the investigation had stalled, had stalled, so she took matters into her own hands. She started pouring over as many police records as she could, and it ended up being thousands of pages. Really? Thousands of pages. Oh, what was it about? Just things that they, just the report that they took from him, and he actually called them um, in sometime after... Alyssa went missing to say that she had called and said she was in California and she was fine. Like he called the police and reported that. Oh, to them. So then they thought case closed. Yeah. So, but, but leading up till then, you know, they, it was a missing persons case. So sure. they were trying to figure out where Alyssa was. She was a minor. Right. And she was a missing person. So in 2006, there was a serial killer named Thomas Hammer. Mm hmm. H-Y-M-E-R, in case somebody thinks I'm trying to say hammer. Right. Which there's a difference in hammer and hammer. There is. Okay. So he actually confessed to killing Alyssa. Okay. But after investigating his claims, it was determined to be a false confession. Oh, that drives me crazy. I don't me understand too. why they do that. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't either. It's sick. I it think is. it's very sick. So, but even though this led detectives on a wild goose chase at first, it got them into a different mindset, and they started actually interviewing Alyssa's closest friends. Oh, there mm -hmm. you go. Good. Five years Five after. years later, right. Mm -hmm. So, amongst Alyssa's friends, there was a running theme, including from her boyfriend, 
The running theme is that Michael had been very demeaning and verbally abusive to Alyssa, calling her a moron and stupid quite often. They also told investigators that Alyssa had been sexually abused by Michael for years. No way. Yes. In 2008, police asked Michael if they can search Alyssa's room and asked him for the note that he said Alyssa had left. Right. Because... Turns out, when he called to report to open that missing persons case, uh-huh. they never went to the home. They took his statement over the phone, oh and gosh. they never even went to the home to follow up on anything. Are you kidding? No. What in the world? So, in 2008, they reach out to him and said, hey, Michael, do you mind if we just come search Alyssa's room and see if we can find any clue? And do you mind passing that note to us? So this is seven years. Right. Do you mind passing the note to us? And Michael said, you can't come in the house. And he provided them a photocopy of the um, the note. The note. Yeah, huh. which is not very helpful. So um, from that point on, Michael never co- cooperated with the police again. I'm sure. It doesn't sound like he ever cooperated with yes. the police. So in the meantime... While investigating Michael, detectives do start to uncover some things that they find a little disturbing. That same year, they were able to get a search warrant of Michael's home. And once inside, they uncovered dozens of homemade bombs. Oh, golly. Along with a 97-page manifesto detailing his plot to commit mass murder. Oh, my. At the local headquarters of the Electrician's Union. For heaven's sake. He was arrested and in 2010 pled guilty to possession of unregistered destructive devices. Wow. And he went to prison for seven years. Wow. Yep. In 2008, when they searched Michael's home, they also uncovered all of those surveillance cameras throughout the house, as well as recordings of calls to and from the home. Right. And they also discover at the time of Alyssa's Alyssa's disappearance, she had a bank account with $1,860 in it. She never accessed that money. She never touched that bank account. Right. And six months after she vanished, Michael transferred that money into his own account. Of course he did. So investigators surmised, because I love that word. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that between the recorded phone calls and the ins and the inside surveillance cameras and his surveillance of her outside the house, because he admitted that he would sit in the parking lot of Jack in the Box and use binoculars to watch her work. For heaven's sake. To keep her safe. I'm using air quotes, people. You can't see it. <laughs> keep her safe. So um, they surmise, my favorite uh, yeah. word. That Michael had an apparent obsession with his stepdaughter. So weird. They also discover, this is going to be even weirder. This gets my hackles up. Several homemade contracts between Alyssa and Michael that he would make her sign. Contracts? He never used contracts with any of his other children, but he used them for Alyssa. To, air quotes, keep her safe. Wow. One in particular, he had Alyssa sign a contract in 1999 agreeing that Michael had never molested her. Oh, for heaven's sake. Yeah. I think probably, gonna, I think gonna, does he think somebody's going to believe this? Right. He probably did that just after. You coerced a, a, a minor into signing a contract saying, no, you never molested me. Well, why would you need a contract if you never molested exactly. her? Exactly. Ding dong. <laughs> so there was also a recording between of an argument between Michael and Alyssa where she clearly calls him a pervert. Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. 
So remember when I said that, well, did I tell you that when, <laughs> I don't remember if I told you this, but when Sarah went to detectives because she didn't think that they were going, that the investigation had stalled. Right. They told her she needed to take it to the public eye. Did I tell you that? You did not. Well, they did. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I must have skipped that bullet point. I guess so. It was because I was hooked on the word surmise. Surmise. I couldn't wait to say it. I surmise that that is what you were going to say. I love it. Because surmise sounds like surprise. (laughs) (laughs) But it's totally not. No. I know. Anyway. So they had told Sarah to try to take it to the public to take the case to the public and to keep it in the public eye as much as possible. And how was she supposed to do that? Well, she figured it out. Oh, okay. Because she's freaking smart, this Sarah. How do you capture the public's eye in today's age? I guess Facebook. Social media, baby. Yes. Yep. So besides going on local and national news stations, she started a blog. She opened a website and a Facebook page called Justice for Alyssa, and she started a very successful podcast Wow! around getting justice for her sister, and eventually she opened a TikTok account. No way. So on TikTok, Sarah played recordings and videos, and she also played the videos on YouTube um, from her father's surveillance collection. Are you serious? Yes, she did. She put it all out there, girl. Wow. She felt that TikTok really gave her the platform to go deep and dark. Wow. And that's what she did. Her TikTok TikTok displays got tens of millions of views, and it certainly got the attention of the police and the local district attorney. There you go. Sarah launched an online petition calling for the arrest of her own father. Wow. And gained nearly 300,000 signatures. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, she is, she's driven. So, I remember the petition that went around to keep the um, Folly Beach serial killer in jail. They got 15,000. She got nearly 300,000. Wow. Yeah. By the way, um, update if nobody caught this before, but the Folly Beach serial killer met his maker this year in prison. Thank you, 2020. You did do some good things. That's right. Okay. Back to Sarah. On her podcast, she also played an audio that she secretly recorded in 2017 when Sarah, who was 28 years old at the time, met Michael at Starbucks. He was just recently out of prison from his bomb turn. Yeah. She is heard finally confronting her dad about her suspicions, and she asks him to just come clean with her about really what really happened to her sister 16 years ago. And this is her response. Oh, I'm not ready. No, sit I down. Look, the look at your, on your face tells me I'm not ready. This man is, he, uh, he's a double a-hole. Oh, my. I'm going to tell you what he is. He's an a-hole douchebag, which makes him an enema bag. There you go. <laughs> Just so you know, I used that term about one of my coworkers today. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Anyway, this is what he told her. Be there at the deathbed, Sarah. I will give you all the honest answers you want to hear. Oh. And she said, why can't you just come clean now and give me the answers that I need? And he said, you have them all, Sarah. You already have them. Oh, dear. 
So the police heard that recording. Oh, dear. And that was the last time Sarah ever spoke to her father. And I don't blame her. I don't either. On August 20th, no, that's no, not true. Don't lie. It's not true. I've, I've started a lie, and now I'm not going to say the lie. It's August of 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. Michael Turney was arrested and charged with second-degree homicide. Great. His trial is currently set for the summer of 2021, I think. I, I saw that somewhere, and then I couldn't find it again to verify that I wasn't crazy. Right. So it's not yet verified whether I'm crazy or not. Just saying. His bond was set at $500,000, and I did not see anywhere that he has made bond. I think he's still sitting in jail. Gotcha. So that is the story of... But they never found Alyssa's body. They have never found Alyssa's body. And now Sarah is concentrating on trying to find Alyssa's body. But in her in her podcasting and in her social media, she has met many people that are seeking justice. And some of them are actually seeking justice of missing siblings. Right. And there are two women that she actually has befriended. And now they're all working together on the other cases as well. I oh, love it. So she has continued her podcast and it's turned turned. Oh, not as much about Alyssa's disappearance as it is about finding justice for other people with wow, missing relatives. That's wonderful. I know. She's amazing. Amazing. She's an amazing person. So I'm really happy and I hope she hears this podcast. Oh my. I'm gonna tag her on Instagram because <laughs> I have her Instagram. Oh yay. Yeah. So anyway, but I just thought it was amazing that she um she just she's driven. She's yeah. just a driven sister who who just Woke up one day and she said it was like a switch. One day it was just a switch. And she thought none of this stuff makes sense. Right. And um, I got to figure this out. Yeah, because things that a parent or a trusted individual might say to you when you're 12 don't hold water when you get older and you can start to think for yourself. And you don't depend so much on the information that you said. And at 12, you, you believe you've got a, an authority figure sure. in your home, and that's the person who question it. And then you're right. As you get older, you may replace some of those conversations, and you think, that doesn't make, that doesn't add up. And right. then you go back, and then the person contradicts themselves, or they get frustrated because they're, you're asking questions again, or they just refuse to talk about it. Right. And then it kind of gets your suspicions going. Yeah. So I think she's brilliant that she has taken this to social media and t- took it to the public eye and really did not let anything die on it. Yeah. And that eventually the, the investigators and the DA, they had to listen because it's, I mean, it's in their face. Exactly. So, and she's, you know, I think that she has almost single-handedly solved this case. That's for her amazing. Sister. And I do hope that they, she can figure out where her stupid butthole of a father put that girl she needs closure of course she does and, and Alyssa needs to be he's found the only one that can give it he to holds her. the key yeah. and Alyssa is Alyssa needs to be found she needs to be laid to rest in a proper way sure something right so I just you know but bless her heart for actually having to come to terms with my dad is not the person I thought he was right he's way worse oh yeah Way, way, way worse. worse. Yeah. And then to have the Cuyunas to sit down with them. I mean, good for her for going to Starbucks, which is always busy. Yeah. And not, you know, meeting at his house or her house or whatever. Because oh, we yeah. may never have heard from Sarah either. No. So that's well, a reminds murder. me a little bit of the, um, what was that, that 
documentary that we watched on the documentary documentary <laughs> that I, that we watched where the guy is trying to figure out what happened uh, to his mother. Murder on Middle Beach. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of that because he really believes that his father had something to do yes, with it. Yes, absolutely. And the only way to figure it out is to to go in and be your own private investigator. And that's what he's doing too. Right. Mm-hmm. So I know. I think it's sad that people have to take that into their own hands, but God bless them. Yeah. For doing it. Well, I hope 2021. I hope that it brings conviction. Yeah. I hope it brings answers and I hope it brings the recovery of Alyssa for Sarah because yeah. Sarah deserves this. Yes. So there you go. Very good. Great Great story. Very current. I know. In the news type of murders. It's so not like us to do things I that know. are current happening. Well, I will say shout out to our friend and Oh, Canada. Oh, Andy Canada. G. Andy. He sent me this murder. Oh, that's amazing. So I thought that was really nice of him. Yeah. He's like, you might want to look into this. And that's really sweet. Yeah. So. Especially since, you know. Thanks, Andy. He's talking to people like us who don't even know how to mail a letter to Canada. Obviously so not because we sent him a, a Christmas card and it hasn't gotten You're there yet. And I told him, hopefully you'll get it by Easter. Yeah. And I guess we should have Googled how to. Fill out an envelope. I know. To, I said we don't. Canada. We probably didn't properly address it. He thought that was funny. Yeah. So he said, "No, I think it's just been delayed because of the mail." And I'm thinking, "Ain't no mail delayed that long." Really? Like that's long. Yeah. So, but we'll see. Hopefully, well, he'll fun. get it. Maybe he'll maybe get he'll it get it, it like by April. Christmas next year. Yeah. And then he'll be like, "Oh my god!" We'll be like, "Yeah, we just mailed that yesterday. You got so quick." <laughs> So, yeah, it's probably sitting in Japan somewhere. I don't know how the mail gets to Canada. Maybe it has to go to Puerto Rico and then Japan, then Hawaii. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know how it bounces up there. So No idea. Thought um, that gets a thought that counts. Though. And we did think about it. We did. We did, because he's our friend. Yeah, we were doing a test run with a with a Christmas card. We don't, because we want to send him cookies. Because those things are oh molded by now. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm really glad to... we didn't send yeah. cookies. Oh my gosh. Andy G, we might just have to wait till COVID's over and come up and bake for you. There you go. That's <laughs> a great idea. There's any other way to get him any food. I don't think so either. So we have social media. We do. We, we do. And, and we seem to be good at it. Sometimes we, we are. Kind of good at it because I noticed that we had 163 very best friends on our Facebook oh fan God. page and now we're down to 162. Who left? So somebody's departed I'm, the pattern. I am gutted, gutted, as the Brits would say. I'm gutted, gutted, gutted about, it. about it because somebody doesn't think that we're actually their friends. Yeah, and I'm just saddened. So if y'all, if it's not y'all that are listening, could you bring some other friend in so we can get that number back up to 163 yeah. and we don't feel so rejected, dejected, brokenhearted? I mean, yeah. abandoned. What's the point of going on? Like, are we not even good enough? I guess not. Oh, it's so sad, guys. Come oh. on. So we're on Facebook. So we're on Facebook. Sugarcoated Murder Podcast fan page. Yep. Or you can just find us on Sugarcoated Murder Podcast, but that's no fun. No, because on our fan page, we put the episodes. You get the episodes a day before everybody else. Yes. We've got our link tree on there. Yes. And that Good link job, tree, you Shoka. click on, you just simply click on that link. Simply and you can get click to upon. All of our everything, all of it, all of our social media stuff, which is also Instagram. Yes, and I don't have our Twitter name on there because I don't know what it is. We're not good tweeters. I just hit when I when you post to Instagram, you can also post to Twitter mm-hmm. and Tumblr at the same time, and I just hit those buttons. Okay, 
So <laughs> that's we don't know, know how to tumble or know. twit. I don't know how to twit or tumble. <laughs> it goes to YouTube. I don't know how to do any of that. It just goes there. Right. So it's just you know we're we good. Know. We're good at Instagram and Facebook, and I don't know. It seems like we're missing a whole lot on TikTok. I guess so. My golly, I know. We've got to figure that business we're out. To figure that stuff out. So anyway, um, guys, we love you. We do, and we have email. We have email. We'd love to hear from you on email. Because we are lonely. Our email address is murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com. Murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com. Yes. And then um, Instagram, we're at sugarcoatedmurder. Yeah, find us. Find us. Look us up. Use Linktree. Buy us a cup of coffee. A tell, small of tea. A small of tea. Yeah. Tell your friends about us. And get some merchandise because this is a cute-ass mug. If we get two fans this week on Facebook, we'll do our whole podcast in Scottish next week. Oh, my God. I didn't know what she was going to say. I was like, where are we going? But we're just going to do Scottish accents? Yeah. Are we going to do Scotland-based murders or just any murder in a Scottish accent? Any murder in a Scottish accent. Okay. Can you give me an example of that? Uh, An example of Of a murder? A Scottish murder? Accent. Oh, right. Um, no, <laughs> but well, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I, I'll I will figure too. It out. Oh my God. We have the biggest surprise for you guys coming. It's coming. It's, it's a musical feature. Guys, y'all, you just, our talents are endless. You have no idea. Nobody else knows this but us, but our talents, they, they're just, well, first of all, they never fail to entertain. Exactly. So, and we have got some really fantastic things in the works for yeah, you guys. So we're stay working. tuned. Don't drop out of the fan page no. because that's where we're going to post all this fancy stuff. Yes. And listen, you guys need to stay sweet. And don't murder. If you kill people, we will talk about you. Y'all have a good week. Love y'all. Bye, Bye now. We didn't taste the cupcakes. Oh, dang it. Can you run get one, please? A cupcake? A cupcake. I think that was Scottish, sugar. <laughs> I think that was a Scottish thing. Say it again. A cupcake. Oh, yeah. I think that was Scottish. A cupcake. A cupcake. A cupcake. Let's see. How do you, I'm going to Google while you're getting that. How to say cupcake. In Scottish. In, in a Scottish accent. I think it's cupcake. In a Scot. Not Skittles. Scottish accent. Okay, how to pronounce cupcake. Hold on. Dead air. We got dead air going on. Listen, it's it's coming. Cupcake. No, that's that's American, you doofus brain. (laughs) What language do you want it in? Scotland. All right, we're tasting. We're tasting. Oh my god, it's still warm. Mm. That is delicious. Oh my god, I did really good. You did a great job. <laughs> Thanks, Sally. Oh, amazing. <laughs> All right, guys, stay sweet and have a good week. Bye. Yes, bye. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.